For Cybercrime Radio, I'm David Browie. Joining me today is Paul Treffrey, an Australian sculptor and artist who found himself the target of scammers who stole $130,000 from his bank account after they sent him messages pretending to be from his bank. But that wasn't even the worst part. Paul, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So you're a sculptor who's built a business in a pretty interesting line of work. Tell us about what you do. I basically work in the film industry, building animatronics, which are robotic animals or people or anything along those lines. So for instance, if they need a shark to attack someone in a film, we build the shark that swims and attacks people rather than obviously using a real shark. Very interesting work. You've got a business going. You've been established for a fairly long time. What's your company called? Company name is Creature and Effects Workshop, and we're based in Sydney in Australia. Fantastic. So really very dynamic area that you're working in. Set up the situation for us. One day uh, this year, you got a text message that you assumed was from your bank. Yeah, look, I, like everyone, received text messages of notifications from banks, and I got a text message through my bank saying that one of their people are going to call me because they believe that my business account had been compromised. And then they'll give you a call and talk you through it. So sure enough, I get a call. The guy introduces himself, very polite, very courteous guy saying, look, I'm from ANZ Fraud Squad. We believe your business account's been compromised. I just want to ask you a couple of questions about some withdrawals. So they asked me about withdrawals. One of them was a deposit for a BMW in New Zealand. And I said, no, I haven't made that. I'm in Sydney, mate. I haven't been in New Zealand, nor am I buying a car. And he said, okay, well, somehow these guys have got your bank details either through a transaction you've made online or some other way. We've got two options. We can either cancel your business credit card, which at that time I had a really large job on for a theme park and I was buying stuff daily with the credit card and I couldn't afford not to have a credit card because I couldn't run the business. Or the second option was what we can do is open a second account under your name with our bank and we'll transfer the funds into that because the scammers won't have those bank details because they're new details. So I just went, look, if that's the better option for me because I'm running a business and I do need the credit card, let's do that. So he sent me a text message with the bank account details and BSB and account number and all that kind of stuff. So I transferred, it was like 2000 bucks. And then through the ANZ app, again, they sent me a receipt with a receipt number. So it all looked legit. And he said, look, thank you very much. I'll give you a call back tomorrow. Now, this is coming through the same message service, which all my messages from the bank come through. So if I've ordered a new credit card, they'll message me and say, your card's ready to be picked up or any alerts come through the same message service. So I was assuming that it's a legitimate message from ANZ because I haven't been warned by them to say that they're message service have been compromised in any way. So you believe that it's from the bank. So they do this a lot. We hear about them basically just spoofing a legitimate organization, particularly a bank, so that the messages that they send end up in the same thread in your messages. And it looks like, oh, that's just another one from ANZ, which is one of the largest banks in Australia. They do a lot. You bank with them a lot. There's a lot going on. So it's very easy to slip into that stream and for someone to pretend that they're from the bank. And because of the way that the phones process messages, you can understand how that would have been not obvious to you. And then were there any telltale signs, like in the initial text message, they talk about spelling mistakes, for example, or information that just seemed like it wasn't fully accurate? They had ANZ's protocol down to a T. They put me on hold to confirm stuff, like it was exactly the same as what ANZ did. When I finally found out, which was a week and a half later after making deposits or transferring money every single day for that week and a half, ANZ did contact me 
and they said, look, we're just querying a transaction for $17,500 and do you want to count? And I said, look, I'm just following what you guys are telling me to do regarding my business account being compromised. And they said, no, your business account's not compromised and we would not ask you to transfer money to different accounts. And then I just got this horrible sinking feeling in my stomach and the legitimate guy from ANZ said, the guy didn't have an English accent, did he? And I said, well, actually, matter of fact, he did. He said, oh, look, unfortunately, mate, you've been scammed by a very, very elaborate scam. We've known about this for a while and these guys are exceptionally good. They know all of our protocols and they've got a lot of people. And my first question was, well, why don't you notify people about a scam that you know of? And Australian legislation states that banks do not have to notify their customers about scams they know of. That's the Australian law, which is great for banks and not very good for customers. There's been a lot of talk about banks' responsibility in all of this and how proactive they need to be. I think the government's been putting a lot of pressure on them to just try and stop this stuff and nip it in the bud, I think, early on and really inform people. But I mean, there's only so much, I guess, that they can do as well. And they could email you, they could send it. It's a really very much of a moving target, isn't it? Was the ANZ sympathetic once you suddenly realized that this was not what you thought it was? No, I kept asking them, why can't you send out a text message via the same service that I got scammed on warning customers that this service can or is compromised? So just check. If you get a text message from us, call us and check. But they refuse to do it. And to this day, they still refuse to do it. This is a challenge, definitely. And it just really stings when you look back at it, I'm sure. How do you think that they got your number? I guess the details of the account. I mean, was anything convincing for you when they were talking you through it all? Were there any actual transactions talked about? I had multiple conversations with these guys over a week and a bit. And some of the conversations went for 20 minutes, half an hour. When I finally realized that it was a scam and I had been told it was a scam, they kept calling. So I'd record all of the conversations we had. There were two guys. There was one guy who was extremely well-spoken. And then there was this young guy that was kind of the only word I can use describing was he's gangster, right? This guy's kind of threatening and kind of showing off and, you know, all this bravado. And they bragged that they bought my bank details for 20 quid, for 20 pounds in the UK. So, look, Australia's had a lot of cyber crime with uh, personal details being kind of hacked and stolen from different companies. So, look, I'm only assuming they've got it from the dark web or somewhere like that. And I've just happened to be a tiny drop in the ocean of people that they've scammed. So the way they got my details was they bought them. It's scary to think that there's just marketplaces out there where someone could just pick up on your identity for no reason other than that you happen to have been on a list or in one of these databases. And then this all comes from that. Where did you go from there? And you said that they were calling you. Had you been in touch with authorities? I've been to the police. I'd spoken to the Australian Federal Police. I actually have a mate that works for Australian Cybercrime, so I've spoken to him. Because the phone calls came through as no caller ID, there's no way they can trace the calls back. The guys were calling from the UK via the internet, so I've been told. So there's a detective here in Australia that's trying to find some information about it, but he's coming up with nothing. ANZ were able to get 45K back. They weren't able to get any more money back. I don't know why. I don't know how they got the 45, but I'm grateful they got that back. But ANZ are adamant that it's not their problem. It's not their fault, even though it is coming through their text message service. And they are aware of it. And they still won't notify their customers, which I think it's not a very good thing to do to your customers. There's so many ways that people can be exploited through something like this. You'd think that they could put in some protections or figure out some ways to, yeah, as you're saying, to let them know. Well, I mean, if I had received a text message through their service saying, 
just be careful of messages through this service because some of them can be fraudulent. I wouldn't be out of pocket because I would have known about it. But ANZ, I still to this point don't understand why I refuse to do it. The police do it. Insurance companies do it. If there's a storm coming and there's going to be hail, they'll send you a text message. All these services, all these government services will send you a text message. You cannot say, I didn't receive a text message because it's on your phone, in your hand, in your pocket. But ANZ still to this day refuse to do it. It's simple to do, but they just refuse to do it. You've got to wonder why that is, but it sounds like at least they got something back. What was your total losses here? I understand around 130000 is that right? Yeah, that's right. But you got 45 back, so that's something, but yeah, still that stings. Yeah, it's better than nothing, but yeah, it's still a lot of money. Definitely is. And has there been any follow-up from ANZ after all this was happening? You were getting the phone calls and things. I mean, have they done anything in good faith, for example? Well, yeah, basically what happened was I spoke to the Australian Financial Complaints Department and they put a case together. We had a phone conversation with myself, them and the bank. And basically because of Australian legislation, the banks don't have to notify customers about scams they know about. So I had no legal leg to stand on. So ANZ offered $2,500 as a kind of sorry. That's not very helpful, is it? Yeah, no. And I kind of rejected that and said, look, guys, you've got to be kidding. Look, you know, there's other people who have been scammed. I mean, the weird thing was once this got out and I went public with it, I had so many people call me. So look, the same thing's happened to me. They've got my father, got my mother, you know, we got done. So I'm not a one-off here. This is happening daily. It's probably happening as we speak. So then I refused to take the compensation, I guess. And then I spoke to a really nice woman at the Australian Financial Complaints Department. She said, look, you've got one or two options. You can either get nothing or get something from them because they're not going to budge. So they ended up giving me 5000 bucks, better than nothing, but still it's a way short on what I've lost. The irony is the scammers kept ringing me and we kind of built this kind of weird relationship. Like I spoke to them as I'm speaking to you. I wasn't aggressive. I wasn't annoyed. It's like, guys, you got me. You did a really good job. You're really convincing. Got a call probably about a month ago. And the gangster guy actually rang me and wanted to know how I actually was. That seemed like a real change of heart on his part. I mean, he'd spent all this time calling and taunting you. Yeah. And then it was just a complete flip and just said, look, I just want to know how you are. And I said, well, you know, considering I'm okay. And he said, have you got your money back from the bank? I said, no, I haven't. That's gone. And he said, I actually like you. If I could, I would give you your money back. And I've said, well, you should have thought of that months ago because, you know, I'm still out of pocket. So he kind of, I don't know, he kind of just felt guilty about what he'd done and actually wanted to see how I physically was, which is strange. It's unusual to hear this sort of thing going on where people get, as you said, get scammed every day, but they don't usually almost build, as you're saying, a relationship conversation with the people that do it. Initially, it was pretty bad, wasn't it? I understand that they were making some pretty bad threats. There were death threats. They all kind of water off a duck's back. This kid making the death threats, he's like, I've got a gun, I'm going to get people to come in and stab you and shoot you and kill you and all this kind of stuff. The idle threats from a kid, do you know what I mean? Like this guy was young and I could just tell the way he was carrying on. You know, he was getting really revved up and just making all these kind of threats and I was just like, whatever. It really didn't concern me at all. Just a lot of trash talking, really. Yeah, oh, 100%. The guy was just kind of trying to one-up himself and build himself up to be some big-time gangster. Look, like I keep saying, these guys were really good. I'm the most suspect person on the planet, and they got me, you know? They got me really well. 
But I mean, in some ways you got them as well because you recorded some of the calls that they made. I've got probably three hours of conversations with them. It was really amicable. It's strange that the first time the young guy got on, he was like, come on, mate, how much did we get you for? You know, tell me how much we scammed you out of and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, mate, I'm not going to tell you. And they were asking what they had done wrong for me to catch them out. I said, look, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job better. What is that, quality control? Yeah, it's like, can you let us know where we kind of made a mistake and then we'll do it better next time? I was like, no, that's not going to happen. It was strange. And then they'd keep ringing and it was like they'd want to ring and just chat. And they did. And they told me that they'd been on a holiday with the money and all this kind of stuff. It's like, I don't understand why you're trying to build a rapport with me. You've scammed me out a lot of money. I mean, the conversation was kind of like we're having a conversation now. There was no angst or any kind of aggression. It was just a conversation between two people. That's incredible that that would happen on top of what they took from you, that this would even continue. It's a very strange occurrence. Well, I kind of thought that, you know, once they're done with it, they've got their money, they're going to move on, but they just kept coming back. But they weren't getting anything else out of me, but bar a conversation. And they never invited you on the holidays with them? No, unfortunately not. No. <laughs> it's definitely an incredible story. Not only, obviously, the huge loss that you suffered, but the follow-up that's happened there. Where are you now with this? I mean, it's the end of the year. You've obviously got a business that suffered a bit of a hit. Has that been able to recover that? Where do you go from here? Well, look, all I can do is just keep working, you know, like there's nothing I can do. And look, a lot of people that I've spoken to, I've said the same thing. So look, what's happened happened. I've just got to move forward. I can't dwell on it or get upset or get angry about it. Look, I fell for it. I can't blame anyone else. ANZ should be liable because they're not notifying anyone about their problem. Oh, you've got to go to our website, but there's nothing driving me to your website to go searching for scams after it's been done. Look, the CEO's known about it. It went to the Australian government. It got a lot of media and it has fortunately changed banking in Australia. All the banks now have got a lot of alerts. So if you do some internet banking, you've got to go through about four windows to close down that are warning you about scams, which weren't there prior to what happened to me, which is great. You know, look, I run a business. It'll take me a while to recover, but I will. My biggest worry was the elderly or young families. If they lost all the money they have, they're decimated. That's it. They're done. They're not going to recover from this. And these guys have no morals. They don't care. It's just a greed thing. And look, you know, like I said, I'm not the only one that this has happened to. It's happening to people all the time. But governments do need to step up and do something about it. And banks especially. You know, banks really don't care because they're making money out of it. Every time I made a deposit or transferred some money to the scams, the banks actually make money out of it because they charge you a transfer fee. So why are they going to stop it? They're still getting their kickback from it. That's the even crueler part of it. It really is hard to get them on board and hard to get them engaged. Certainly, they don't want the reputational hit, but at the same time, either way, they're going to make something, aren't they? That's true. And ANZ recorded a huge profit this year. And yet, yeah, they still won't do anything about their poor customers losing their money. It's not ANZ's money, it's customers' money. I'm sure if it was your shareholders that were losing money, they'd be doing something about it. Well, that's the worst part about it. So hopefully they'll get onto it and this won't keep happening in some way. They'll have to figure out something to do because this is happening all the time, as you've said. Yeah, hopefully. Paul, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. I really appreciate giving me the time to tell my story. Absolutely. Great to hear it. And thank you for sharing. For Cybercrime Radio, I'm David Browie. Joining me today was Paul Treffrey, who lost $130,000 to scammers and was then targeted with death threats and a barrage of phone calls after he exposed them to the world. 
For more of our media, visit cybersecurityventures.com.